Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Mac Daddy Pete Robertson. What's up, my brother? It sounds like you got a frog or something. No, it's my new radio voice. Is what that do you what think? It is? You like it? Yeah, I love it. Man, you, I, I'm you, fighting allergies, and I think I might have a head cold. And then you can't I, have COVID. You had that. Right. Like and then I decided to try to kill myself yesterday, tripping in my, <clears throat> over my pool. Oh, yeah. Well, my, let's talk about that. My neck went pop, pop, and my arms went numb. And so you felt, you felt yeah. that boo boo? I'm like, you know what? I had a birthday last week, and I think <laughs> I'm old. I fell like two feet, and I feel like I got run over by a truck. What is going on? He puts out this 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 uh, email. I mean, this text message. Boys or men, I need prayer. <laughs> I, need prayer. I broke my I'm, neck. I'm dying. <laughs> I did not say I broke my neck. I said I hurt my neck. Big difference. Oh, you said wait. I you broke your arms. It felt like it. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah. You know what? I think that's what they you hear in football. Like they say you get a stinger. I think that's what it was. I think I like pinched the nerve and it's like all my limbs went numb. It so was I, a weird I, feeling. I'm reading it. I prayed and but I'm reading it going, OK, he's not bleeding. Are, are you praying or hospital. laughing? No, I did both. Okay. I, I did both. <laughs> and then and then I called you last night to pray with you actually physically just to see how you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And my that. wife was in there listening and she's like, wait, what's the details? Is he this? Is it that? You know, she's trying to he needs to get to the hospital. He needs to get to the doctor. I said, no, he's fine. And even if he was, if the bone's not produce, producing or coming out or 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 blood's right. on the thing, we're not going to no stinking doctor. My fingers still move. There's no <laughs> blood. What are we? Women perceive this so Man. easily. We just put some dirt on it and we move on. Going to the doctor shows weakness. <laughs> no, that's not true. People don't listen to me. No, don't do that. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a righteous invasion of truth at all. That's just me being stubborn. If you have to go to the doctor, you go to the doctor. Right. Even us men. What? Yeah, you have to. Oh if my it has goodness! To. Yeah. So I'm okay, folks. I know. Don't That's send good. get well soon cards or anything. I'm I'm fine. We also got I'm to just go, sore. We went to um, Hillsong and um, uh, uh, Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin. Yeah, Chris that Tomlin. was awesome. And you left out Pat. That's not very nice. Yeah, Pat. Pat uh, was good too. Pat Barrett. Pat Barrett. Yeah, that was really good. It's uh, just awesome to be with you know twenty thousand people, whatever they were there, fifteen thousand. Yeah, probably fifteen thousand. And worshiping Jesus. It was really cool. Yeah, you can't beat that. You know, just be able to do that. So oh, if, you guys, fun. if you guys are out there and they're, they're coming to your city, uh, there's still tickets available because it was packed house. But I would yeah. go. So it was worth it. Yeah. It, was, it was worth the price of the tickets that I won for free. Yeah, I paid <laughs> and he get them for free. Can you uh, but the blessing was, Bob. Thank you, Z88.3 for Bob, my free tickets. Bob, we carpooled with Bob. He brought us down. He bought his dinner. Bob's such an awesome man. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I ended up paying for it after all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, though. Even our adventure trying to find a place to eat was was an adventure. It was fun. Yeah. Shout it was out. a really cool place. Shout out to C- Casina. What yeah. was it? Casina. Downtown Orlando. Downtown Orlando. Those guys will treat awesome. you well. Yeah. Really. Right on Church Street. Check yeah. it out if you're local. If you're yeah. in Orlando. Casina. Check them out. Yeah. Hey, Pete, you know, what's this Sunday? What is it? It's Easter. It is. Yeah. All about bunnies and eggs. Right. That's it. Bunnies and eggs. No, 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 no. Isn't no, every no. church doing like a bunny egg like hunt or something? Sadly, you're probably right. <laughs> isn't that their But it's whatever it takes to get people in, right? Oh, I'm just playing. Oh, I yeah. know. It's all good. Yeah, no, it's a have big deal. Ban you now because you mentioned that. Yeah, last week your rethink uh life, um, Michelle Gage, Pastor Rodney's wife, uh spoke and man, she did a great job at laying out Palm Sunday and 
um, you know, just the, the message was clear. It was anointed and very impactful. And I'm just looking forward to, you know, hearing what God has to say. And in this coming Sunday, we're praying for our churches. We're praying for the pastors and our, you know, in the world today. And, and it is, it's like the Super Bowl of Sundays, you know, yeah. for, for Christians, you it know, is. you know, and so it's, you know, it's the big thing, you know, this is the resurrection without the resurrection. We're going to cover that in John once we get further along, but without the resurrection, there's... John talks about the resurrection. Oh yeah. We're oh, good. We're going to get, <laughs> we'll be getting into all of this. We'll get there by 2025. I no, promise you at the end of this year, <laughs> but without the resurrection there, there, we are, we do not, we don't, have eternal life. We don't have the hope that we have. We don't have God's grace. We, we just, we don't have it. So this is like a huge, huge event. And if you're listening to this, cause it's going to drop, I think this Thursday, if you're listening to this, uh, we encourage you invite a friend to church, Yes. you know, go out and, and invite a friend, ask them personally to come with you. Um, this is the perfect opportunity for you to bring that. And I, I, you know, I, I need to do this myself, you know, so um, I'm being like uh, convicted right now. So yep. to bring a friend, bring sure. a friend. All right. Any other thoughts? No, I was just, I'm glad you brought that up. We do yeah. need to bring friends. So if you're local and if Barry was here, he would invite you to, uh, to the church that he's the lead pastor at. So he's not here. So I'll do it. Um, if you don't have a church <laughs> in the Orlando area, come down to Toho high school off Boggy Creek, 1030. We would love to have you. We'll save a seat for you. I promise. Well, and I would just talk to the people that rethink family and, and invite you down to the rethink life. Absolutely. Church and just get your butt in a church seat this that's Sunday. It. That's all. We don't care where it is. Man, you use big language right there. That's that's stepping it, it up the, there, it, Bob. It's the neck talking. <laughs> it's the pain in the neck talking. It's all good. Oh, Speaking of pain gosh. in the necks, did you read this article on Disney? <laughs> Wait, was that not a good segue? What elite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was an article about from uh, Gospel Coalition on um, what's happening with Disney and um, the Christian community. And um, I guess what sparked it was in Florida, uh, the governor there, DeSantis, um, signed into law um, something about where the teachers from kindergarten to third grade cannot be teaching about um, queer lifestyles, transgenders, that kind of thing. And I think it was anything to do with sexuality. Yeah. Anything like that. They couldn't say, yeah, anything to do with sexuality until after third grade. And then from there, uh, Disney came out and wrote a uh, article. Do you remember the article that they wrote or something that said, um, you know, pretty much, you know, saying we're going to fight this in the Supreme court, or we're going to take this up or try to fight this law. Um, and they don't agree with it. So from that, there's caused a big. So their argument is they want to be able to teach five to eight year olds about sex. That's 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 pretty much their argument. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it's caused a let's say a ripple effect within the Christian community. And I know a lot of the Christians um, are that are listening to this or that are out there trying to say, what do we do? Do we boycott Disney? Do we? You know, what, uh, you know, how does a Christian respond to what Disney's doing and and what is their message? And so this gospel coalition kind of laid out their message a little bit. They did a really good job. But um, I I, I would say that the the crux of it is saying that Disney is pretty big and to just boycott it itself, it's going to be pretty challenging. You know, I, I wrote down exactly 
you know, what, who do they, you know, who do they own? So they own ABC network, ESPN network, touchstone network, Marvel films, Lucas films, Annie history channel, lifetime, Pixar, Hulu, vice and core publishing. And, and so to try to boycott them as a whole is going to be pretty difficult. It's like half of all media. Yeah. So, and, and then the article is basically talking about how, what Disney is, it's openly saying. So there's been released videos of um, them talking how they're looking for opportunities to be able to bring queer into the, you know, um, into their, into their movies, into the, you know, the Disney parks. Um, and so the people are saying, well, what do we do? What do we do as a Christian? What do we say? Um, how do we respond to this? And, and so um, I think that what we should do, Bob, is, is kind of walk through um, a Christian response um, in, in a proper light, in the way that Christ would deal with this. And I think that's kind of what we've been. And we're not going to cover this. We might cover this in the future. Maybe we'll do a show just kind of on this topic a little bit and have some guests on. Um, and, uh, but let's just kind of work through that. So what, how do you think, how should a Christian respond to this or what's your thought maybe from the article? And we can just talk from there. Yeah, I got a, a couple points from the article and this, the article is titled, we should talk about Disney and it's by uh, Trevin Wax. And, uh, it was written literally, I mean, literally came out today yeah. uh, as we're recording this show. So this is, this is fresh off the press. And a couple of the points that he makes that, that I think are very valid is that we need more conversations and more discernment. In fact, one of his Pete towards the end of his article here, he says, you know, where, where does this leave us? You know, what, what do we do as Christians, you know, dealing with this? And his answer is, is, is a call for discernment. And I think that's so true. We need to be uh, filtering. I mean, we should do this in every aspect of our life, but we should definitely be doing with anything that we're putting into our minds, whether watching TV, we're listening to, um, book or, you know, books on tape or, you know, whatever, whatever you're programming or putting into your mind, we need to be filtering it through the word of God and, and being discerning. When you talk about this all the time, you, you joke around saying you're a pain to watch movies with or TV shows with, because you, you call out what you see. So if you see something that's not godly, you call it out yeah. and, and vice versa. If you see something like that, that's biblical. That's, that's the right, that's the way we should be doing things. And you call that out as well. And I think that is his kind of his bottom line. And, and you mentioned, you know, well, Hey, before you say, Hey, let's boycott. Um, you got to understand what that really means. And I'm never, I'm not one of those guys. That's like a big fan of boycotts. I don't, you know, if, if you choose not to spend your money somewhere, that's, that's great. I think it's a personal decision. Um, I'm not one of those, you know, Hey, everybody gang up on, on, on so-and-so. So I think this is a better way to approach it. And the last line in his article, I really like this. It just says, when you turn on the TV, don't turn off your mind. Yeah. So it's like, you can't just, and I, and I know it, TV for a lot of us is an escape. It's a way to kind of just get, you know, ah, and just relax from the day and, and kind of just be entertained or be not mind numb robots. But we got to be careful because that's when, man, you, you give Satan a foothold, right? Yeah. You got to be really careful. And that's when you have to be um, just alert and to understand what you're allowing into your brain. So I, I, I like the way he put that on how he closed well, it. That's really good, Bob. And, and I think again, context, let me just do my best to kind of share my thoughts on it. You know, we're in the world um, and in this world, we're going to have ideologies. We're going to have opinions. We're going to have culture that is going to be, uh, you know, in contrast to God's biblical truth. And so we 
as Christians understand that that's inevitable. It's going to happen. And so that's why it's so important for us to know the word of God, to be in the word of God, to, to, to spend time with truth, to spend time with God uh, so much that we know the difference. We're able to recognize and understand the difference. But how we respond to the difference is, I think, is the key. And I think that many Christians, when they, they see this, they immediately get all righteous and dignant and they start throwing stones at Disney and they start throwing stones at, at some of these big other corporate. And they're like, how dare they? And, and I can't believe that they would teach us this and they would do all this stuff. And they get really, get really angry. And I always ask myself, is that the way that God would respond to that? And, and, and I, it makes me pause a little bit. So what I look at it this way, um, I, 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 you know, there's, there's two, two kinds of forms of thoughts here. There's the truth. And we believe that the Bible is the full counsel of God. So we believe that it's absolute truth. That's our worldview. That's how we approach everything. Ultimately, what I would like to see is that the whole world would abide by, by the, the word of God. Okay. So that's, that's my thought. I wish that, you know, every school system, every corporate office, every, everybody would adhere to the righteous truth of the word of God. Okay. So that's my take. The world's view is they want the whole world to, to abide by their worldview understanding by how they perceive truth to be. And so there's a war going on. Okay. There's a war going on both sides. So I understand why one side would be upset with the other side. But let's look at it like this. So let's just say we're watching a Pixar Disney film and there's two characters on the film that are same sex and they're kissing. And, and immediately we're going to be like, well, the, we don't feel that the Bible in context says that that's the very best way. We feel that from a contextual standpoint, the way we understand the Bible to read, that same sex uh, kissing or same-sex marriage or same-sex relationships isn't the very best way for us to um, to walk with the Lord or share God's truth or share the kingdom of God. And so what Christians want to do immediately is pick up a stone and start throwing it at them and say, oh, I can't believe that they're doing that. And this is horrible. And they're saying that, hey, they're so wrong and they're this or whatever. But that's what we're teaching now our children. That's what we're teaching other people is that immediately that there's a, this is bad, right? Well, why don't we look at it maybe from a different perspective? We don't know what those people are going through. I, I shared with Bob earlier a story of this, this lady that's fully in love with Jesus and she's walking, but she struggles with same sex and she's madly in love with her partner. And, and she truly loves the person, but she can't understand or comprehend how to get rid of that love she has for her partner. She's fully in love, but she's faithful in her church. She's serving. She, she's growing. She's, she's, she's living for the Lord. She has fruit. There's no doubt there's fruit there, but in her heart, she's struggling. And in her, her mind, she keeps saying, Lord, if this is not the very best, I pray that you would transform me and help me to not love this person this way, to not have these feelings, to do this. I don't, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm open, she would say, but she's still struggling with that. So I, I think we have to be very careful with just throwing stones because immediately we're, we're you know, attacking those people, that understanding. And so any, any, this is a whole nother subject. I don't, I mean, we're, we can get, I don't want to get in the weeds here. 
But my, my, my heart is this. What I would teach my children if they were to watch a Disney Pixar that did this, I would teach them that that is that according to the Bible in context, that is not the very best way that God loves them deeply and that God desires a relationship with them deeply. And then I would also share with them that I too have many things in my life that are not the very best thing. There's certain habits in my life or certain things that I do that I've, I've, I've allowed the culture to influence me by. That is not the very best. And so who am I to cast a stone with that? Now, does that mean I don't speak up against it? Does, I, does that mean that I, I don't say that, hey, trying to influence our culture uh, with this, with the queer mindset and, and trying to infiltrate our kids and trying to create, you know, from the ground up that I don't say something? No, I'm going to say something. And that's what we're doing now. We're saying that that is not the very best. We're saying that there's a, there's a, a worldview here that's, that's dominant. Disney is a dominant worldview. They are wanting to create an ideology, a culture that wants to influence our children. And we as parents need to be aware of that and need to understand that. And we need to say something about the, the opposition to how we see the worldview of God's truth. And so that's what we're saying. That's why we're bringing this to our attention. That's why we're bringing it up. Um, without, you know, I'm sure we opened up already a can of worms. And that's why I think we probably need to do a show just on this. But again, our heart is, it's not that I'm boycotting. I am just raising the pe- my children up properly so they understand the truth. I'm speaking out of the truth. And more importantly, I'm not casting a stone. I, I go to Disney because we live here in Florida. We go to Disney World. I go to Disney to be the light in the, in, in the world. I go to pray for people. I go to speak life into people. I am deliberate in my approach. I'm not like trying to get away from it. Oh my gosh, this is whatever. I'm still looking for it. How am I adjusting my life? But how am I more importantly glorifying God in all that I do? But then speaking what I believe is right and what is the very best. Bob? Yeah, I think as a, as a church, we it's easy to pick on other people's sin. And I think Jesus put it best. He's like, you know, get the log out of your own eye before you start worrying about the speck in somebody else's. So. And I can testify that I have a log in my eye in many things and I'm, and I'm working through it in my heart and I'm praying, God, please help me transform. And I'm learning how to lean on the Holy spirit more and to strengthen me and to guide me through some of these temptations and things that I fall weak on. So, all right. All right. Well, let's, um, (laughs) let's start. That's awesome. Let's start (laughs) off with some prayer and uh, jump into the show. We're going to be back into the book of John this week. And uh, I'm excited about that Pete. All right. So, Father, we just we give you the show today. Father, we just we love you. We uh, thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Thank, thank you that it always rings true. Lord, help us to to just get the word into us. Lord, help us to use it as a, as a tool to, to teach us and to show us what, what is wrong and what is right. Father, what's the best way you have a perfect will for us, Lord, help help us see that. Uh, teach us, Lord. And as we dive into this book today and and get to learn a little bit more about who you are, Father, I, I pray that it would just touch each and every one of our listeners that uh, hears that today. So we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. Let's so do it. in our last show, Pete, um, we were in the we were in chapter four of the book of John. We unpacked the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Good show. We showcased how Jesus was not prejudiced against any person and that he had extreme patience towards everyone. Thank you, Lord. Right? Yeah. 
what we began to see, and we'll finish up today, is that Jesus ministers to a variety of people. In the last show, he ministered to a sinful Samaritan woman yeah. and to his disciples. Yeah. In this episode, through John 4, 39 through 54, we will minister, he will minister to the Samaritan people yeah. and to a nobleman in his household. The common theme in this chapter is that each of these people had faith in Jesus. Mm. We see John, the writer of this book, fulfilling the purpose of his gospel and showing the readers how various kinds of kinds and classes of people came to believe in Jesus as God. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So like it went from like, you know, the Samaritan woman, she was hated. She was, you know, people didn't like her. She was at the lowest of the lowest. And then we have, you know, the whole community of people that were rejected by God, you know, and they weren't, you know, looked at. And then we have this nobleman that's this high ranking thing. Right. And uh, then you have these disciples that are just like happy to be there. You know, they're like, okay, you know, so I mean, there's (laughs) such a wide variety just in this chapter alone that he's just speaking to. It's really cool. So true. Well, you know what, Pete, to give them to give our listeners context, what we're going to read today, why don't you start in verse 27 and then uh, kind of read through 20, 38. And, oh, then, yeah. and then we'll kind of give a brief uh, overview of that and then jump into today's text, which will be 39 through 54. All right, that's a good idea. All right, let me just do it. So we're going to be in John chapter four, verse 27. Just briefly, we're going to go through this um, and then we'll get it. So it says, just then the disciples came back. They marveled that. So this is them coming back from Samaria, getting food, getting water. And then Jesus is finishing up now with a Samaritan woman. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with it with her? So the woman left her water jar and she went away into the town and said to the the people. So she didn't respond to them. It looks like she just took off. So come and see a man who told me that I what I ever what that all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She said. Then he went out of the town and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and yet you entered into their labor. Wow. So as we stated in last week's show, Pete, Jesus' disciples were shocked that he was talking to a woman, (laughs) let alone a hated Samaritan woman. And as usual, they did not understand him. When he told them about the food he had, they did not or, or did not know or did not understand that he wasn't talking about physical food when it actually he was talking about spiritual food. Yeah. It's like they were listening to that and they're like, uh, like, how did you eat? Did she bring you food? Did she have something? (laughs) They're just clueless. Who brought you Chick-fil-A? Jesus's food was to do the will of the father. Then in verses 36 to 38, he gives an amazing illustration of reaping and sowing those that are lost and are spiritually blind. You know, it's, it's, this is such a, you know, let's just kind of briefly touch this, but it's interesting that word labored there in verse 38, it means the actual meaning of it is wearied. So Jesus used that word to demonstrate to his disciples that sowing, cultivating, and harvesting are difficult tasks, not only in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm. Um, there is no place in God's kingdom for lazy people. You know, there's seriously, if you're lazy, uh, God's not liking it. 
the work is difficult because of it is laborers are few. Um, First Thessalonians 2 9 says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, why we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So Paul there is is giving context to what Jesus is saying here. So he he would uh, be a tent maker during the day. And he would, so he's doing his regular job. He's creating, you know, making money. Um, but he's always a witness at his work. He's, he knows that he has uh, not only the physical duties of labor, but he also is responsible for the spiritual side of it. And then not only after he does that, then he goes to the synagogues, as it says in context, and he, and he shares God's truth there. So Paul knew that his life, even though he had his job, even though us Christians, many of us have our jobs, our lifestyle is first to be spiritual. We are to think from the spiritual perspective. And, and like I said, if you're lazy and that means you're sitting there and you do your job, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't, you know, I don't want to go sh- to Bible study. I don't want to share God's truth. I don't want, then we have the wrong perspective. I don't know. Thoughts on that, Bob? I just think it's easy to fall into the flesh, right? It's hard to um, just think about that. Well, you said he can't, God doesn't need lazy people in his kingdom. It takes work, right? Cause you have to sacrifice. It's like, well, what's that verse that says, be a living sacrifice every day. I think it's somewhere in Romans, I think, yeah. but, um, yeah, that takes work, right? That yeah. that's physically takes physically takes work and, to and, do spiritual stuff. I guess. And Jesus is basically sharing with them that, you know, Hey, my, my food that God gives me, which is more important than physical food, is that I do the word of, I do the will of God, that Jesus, that God is the one that sustains me. God is the one that strengthens me. God is the one that provides for me. Wow. And, and, and that is what Jesus is demonstrating. I, I wrote this statement. I said, the Christian life should not be a question of doing as little as possible. Rather like Paul, our lives should be poured out in the service for the Lord to do as much as we can for his glory. Hmm. And so it's kind of puts that in perspective, but with that, Jesus labored. And so he's teaching us that we are to also labor. And he got up in the morning and he went and spent time with the father. And he says, all right, let's go. And, you know, I'm, we don't, they don't talk about it, but I'm sure there's a lot of times that he was building things and helping because he had a carpentry, right? right? He had that. I'm sure there's a lot of things that he was constantly doing and teaching his disciples that in the midst of our work, we labor for his glory. In the midst of everything that we do, we are always ready to be able to share God's truth with others. I bet so. Jesus made an amazing dining room table. Oh, I'm sure. It'd be like perfect. I'm sure. I'm sure he, I mean, he was a, he was a man. I mean, like this guy was strong. Yeah. He was a manly man, but at the same time, he was meek and gentle yeah. and kind. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, he's the perfect definition of us men, how we are to be. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. So now that we have context, let's unpack John 4, 39 through 42, or 39 through 42. In these verses, we will see Jesus going into Samaria to labor more by sharing God's truth to a hurting people. We will see that many of the Samaritans first believed by the testimony of that Samaritan woman that we talked about earlier, but then many more believed by Jesus himself. Here, let me read it again and give your, your voice a break. Thank so, you. Verse, th- <laughs> verse 39, <laughs> many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I've ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days. And many more believed because of this word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Hmm. That's an exciting scripture. 
So the Samaritans were so excited by what they were witnessing that they begged Jesus to stay with them for two more days. We see that during that short time, his word produced fruit. It's funny. We were talking in the last show, not last week's show, but the show before we were, we were talking about Samaritan woman. We we're talking about how the Jews didn't go through this town, you know, much less stay for two days. And here they are, the, you know, the people that they don't get along with begging them to stay for two more days. That, that's powerful. And I, and I think, again, it goes back to, you know, what we just said at the end. He stayed two days, but it was his word. Mm. So remember, they were talking, they talked, they said the Samaritan, they believed her word because they saw that there was something different about her. Yeah, they saw the change. Yeah, there was something. But then when he spent time with them, they believed that he was the savior. You know, it's 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 a little bit different. You know, I, I talked about, you know, one of the things is it's important for us as Christians to be grounded in our in the word of God. You know, we just talked about it at the beginning of this is this segment. It's 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 so important that we know the truth backwards and forwards. It's so important because. Once we spent time with God, we know for a fact that what he says is true. I wrote this statement down. I said, the Samaritans began their spiritual walk by trusting in what the woman said, but they soon learned to trust the word taught by the Savior. Hmm. There was no secondhand salvation. They knew they were saved because they were in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> so think about that. We position ourselves to be in his presence. There is no mistake of your salvation. There is no mistake of God's word. You believe it. You believe that he is the, the, the eternal father. You believe that he is the son of God. You believe that his word is true and that everything that he says, you can put your bank on. Thoughts? Yeah, it just draws me back to John 1, 1, right? Like in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And, the, and, and it's just, I don't know. It's, well, you believe, you just believe yeah. what it's saying. That yeah. There's one. That's really cool. Um, I, I like the statement you had here. It says, because they were Samaritans and, and they were a stubborn people like the <laughs> Jews, like all of us, we should just put in there. Yes. You would have thought that they would have rejected Jesus, but the opposite was true. In verse 42, they declared him savior of the world. Wow. They were converted in only two days and they already had a missionary vision. In wow. fact, their vision was wider than that of his, of his apostles. The disciples did not understand that until after the resurrection. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Crazy. So they, they were going, they were spending all this time with Jesus and they were just, they weren't comprehending that he was the savior of the world. Yeah. They thought that he was going to save them from the Romans. Save the Jews from the Romans. That's it. Yeah. And so here it is, the Samaritans, the rejected ones, <laughs> so they believe that he was the savior of the world. <sighs> I mean, that's just some big time stuff. Sometimes we just don't get it, Pete. We miss the big picture. Well, and I, well, let's bring application to it to ourselves. So you're talking about that. So, I mean, we are to have a missionary vision. Yep. You know, Matthew 20 and 19, we are to be in commission with Christ. We are to come alongside of him in, in sharing the kingdom of God with the world so that the world would know everything that he said is true. And so, you know, we watched, we talked about what a couple of weeks ago, the come and see, Yeah. you know, so we talked about that. So our job here is this Easter season or wherever we're at, you know, you go to your friends and say, hey, listen, let me tell you about this this Jesus that's absolutely transformed my life. Let me tell you about this Jesus that's, that's changed me. Why don't you come and see and meet him for yourself? Let's go to church. Let's talk about this Jesus, because I promise you, when you get in his presence, he's going to change you the way he changed me. 
And it's and I can't even explain how good that is. It's just incomprehensible. So what's your thought on that? No, again, it's our, it's our opportunity this week to be to be Philip and go to Nathaniel and say, come and see. I love that you brought that back up. That's so awesome. If you missed our John chapter one shows, go back and check those out. Really powerful. Yeah. Jesus promised the harvest if we are prepared to labor for him. Mm. Does our ministry bear fruit? Think about it. That's a great question. Yeah, it is. is our labor for Jesus bearing fruit? And, and I mean, this is not something we want to just brush over. We have a duty and obligation to be in co-mission with God, to, to go and share with the world about Jesus mm-hmm. so that they can be saved as we are. You know, Pete, it kind of goes back to whose kingdom are we building? Are we building God's kingdom or are we building our own kingdom? That's it. So you may see fruit, but what's that, what's that fruit coming from? Or what's yeah. it building up? Who are, are you building up? Are people Yourself? praising? Are they praising you or are they praising Jesus? Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's continue on in our reading as we will see Jesus go back to Cana, where he did his first miracle. Remember what that was, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our listeners do, too. I we were going to do it. And, we were going to yeah, do it. Yeah. We were talking about this at yeah. men's breakfast the other day. Yeah. We're going to turn the pool into wine. But yeah. yeah. No. So that was Jesus' first miracle. <laughs> we didn't do it. It's here, maybe next month. It's here, sorry. It's here that we will come to meet the nobleman. So let's read uh, verses 43 I'll, through 54. I'll, you sure? I'll hit it. Yeah. All right. So after the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana. Remember back in the feast too, that it talked about that's where Nicodemus came. So the, he must've did a lot of miracles. There must've been something that really got on the radar of all these people. Got their attention. Because here again, they're talking about, you know, all that he did. So, so he came again to Cana um, in Galilee, where he had made the water wine at the Capernaum. They were an official whose son was ill at Capernaum. There was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, he, the fever left him. The father knew that that, the, that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in his, all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judah to Galilee. So the region of Galilee is known uh, as the Galilee of Gentiles. Um, this is where Jesus did most of his ministry. He knew that in his own country, there was hostility towards him. So he focused his attention on the Gentile region. Um, he was a Jew and was born in Bethlehem, but he became more known as the prophet of Galilee. So a lot of that took place. So, I mean, that's where, you know, in, in, in Jerusalem, it, there was always persecution. There was always people trying to get him and so forth. But when he went up into the Gentile land, they were like, they were open, you know? So basically, you know, he was the, the Jews thought that they were well, the Gentiles realized they were sick in need of a savior. So he went to where the need was. So that's kind of what I see. So why did Jesus return to Cana? I don't know, but something just jumped out at me. Oh. 
Can I share this? Yeah. And I know there were no numbers, chapter numbers and verse numbers back when this was written, but we just, you just read 444, right? Yeah. It said for Jesus himself had testified that the prophet has no honor in his home, own hometown. Yeah. Go back to John 111. What does it say? 1111, right? Yeah. It says, uh, let me get there. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Yeah. The symmetry there is pretty cool. Yeah. Four 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 one one one. Genius. Yeah. 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 That's it's so kind cool. of, sorry. Side note. No, I, I mean, I, I'm a numbers guy. I see numbers like that. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> and again, I, I know the numbers weren't there when John was writing it, but God knew. So, I, I mean, I asked the question when I read that, though, why did he go? Why did he return to Cana? So re- remember back, you know, the wedding feast that was yep. the 21st, all that. So now he's going back to that area. So why do you think perhaps, you know, he wanted to see, you know, the fruit of his labor there with the wedding feast? I'm sure there was people who are like, that new? I don't know. The workers? What do you think? I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe one of his disciples needed to. Yeah, Nathaniel. Maybe he needed to go back there for some reason. Yeah, they, well, Nathaniel was from there. Yeah. That was where he's from, a.k.a. Bartholomew. Bartholomew. That yeah. was funny. We had that question on Saturday as yeah. well. That's yeah. funny. But he came from Canada, so perhaps there was a personal reason. We don't know. Maybe. Yeah. We just know that God put it on Jesus's heart to go to Cana. And as he's going, he's met from a man named from Capernaum a noble man, and uh, he wants him to heal his father. Mm, his son. Yeah, his son. Yeah. Yeah, I messed that up. So what's a nobleman? So I, I would say he was a high-ranking government official. There, he definitely had influence. Um, Another Gentile. Yeah, but I mean, his eyes were open. So his, his eyes were open to know and to believe that Jesus was true. And so he, he obviously, so he heard about the happening in the festivities. He heard about probably some of the healings and things that Jesus has done. So he's like, wait a minute, this guy is true. I believe in him. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, I, I guess one of the things to focus in on the reason why Jesus went to Cana is Jesus was always about his father's business. So when we wake up in the morning, we are to ask the father every day, Lord, what is it that you would ask of me to do? It's yeah. not, you know, follow me and what I'm doing. Lord, what is it that you want? Let me be available to you. Let me go where you go. Let me stay where you stay. And, and again, Jesus is teaching us that. what a different mindset that is like, not what, what do I want to do today? But Lord, how, what do you want me to do today? Yep. That's really good. Yeah. Capernaum is about 20 miles from Cana. So he, the guy, I mean, that's from there. So he was, he was coming down. <clears throat> sorry, I'm probably getting that wrong, but he was coming. The number of men was meeting him away from Cana about 20 miles out. So the man heard about Jesus and ability to perform miracles. So, I mean, perfect example. He just wanted to, you know, I need, I'm in a crisis mode. I need help. Can you help me? You know, how many people do we know that are in crisis mode right now? They're all around us. Yeah. And how hard is it for us to say, hey, let me share with you somebody that helped me get through a crisis mode. You need healing? Let me share with you a healer. You need, you need wisdom? Let me share with you someone that has wisdom. You need strength, compassion, comfort? Let me share with you. The person that gives that, you know, and our testimony, your testimony, my testimony, everything that I just said, I can testify is true. Hmm. I didn't, I'm not just saying that because I believe in a fairy tale. I'm saying what I just said is because I have, I have put everything that I have on Jesus. Yeah. And, and he has been faithful Amen. and true in every aspect of what I just said. So <clears throat> that's my testimony. And I'll tell everybody about it. <laughs> Well, I like this question you posted or you posed. It yeah. says, if people know you're a Christian, they too heard about Jesus many times and will ask you to pray for their loved ones. Yeah. And then here's your question. Do people know you're a Christian? 
What a question. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I, I can tell you for a long, uh, you know, a good part of my 20s and 30s, for sure, maybe even up to my 40s, you could probably ask people and like, ah, he's a good guy, but I don't I don't know that they would have said, yeah, he's, he's a Christian. And now, thanks to God, and people will come to me and ask me to pray for them and stuff like that. What a, you know, what a, a different testimony I, I certainly have now. But that's a great question for each of us to ask. Yeah. Do the people around you at your work at uh, you, when you go home for Easter dinner or, you know, or Christmas or Thanksgiving, do, does your family know, do they, do they see something different in you and how, how you can tell is kind of what you, in this question you pose is like, do people ask you to pray for them? Yeah. So when they're in crisis mode, like right. you're talking about, yeah. you know, when they're at the end of their rope, they have, they know they can't do it on their own. They've got to turn. Ooh. And that's really when I think a lot of people will turn to, to, to God, you know, it's kind of like the, God's our genie, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, I, I have nowhere else to turn. Let me rub this lamp and get my yeah. three wishes. Yeah. And it's sad that we do that. Right. But Easter God will Christmas. still use that. Yeah. That's right? true. CEO, <laughs> CEO Christians, right? Yeah. Christmas yeah. and Easter only. Yeah. Um, but God can still use that yep. and, and uh, often does. He'll use a crisis to get your attention, Ooh. to you know, help you realize that, no, you can't do this on your own. You, you need you're the creator of the universe. I had one person um, introduce me to another person one time, I, and this was many years ago, so I might get it wrong a little bit. But he said, yeah, hey, this is Pete, and um, he's very different. <laughs> that's that's good it's true it's true but but what makes you different is the key yeah i'm because trying to figure out what was that different yeah. and have it that not be a good thing yeah but, but he knew me as a christian but i was wondering if he was reading into it am hilarious. i just weird i don't know <laughs> that's hilarious at least we know the answer with you but oh, yeah yeah pete is different by the yeah, way that's true <laughs> but i wouldn't introduce you that way it's okay well maybe yeah anyway yeah he's unique <laughs> All right. So you ask another question and we already kind of already answered this. Yeah. Was the Noma man a Jew or a Gentile? Uh, I, I mean, we, we don't, don't know, for, know sure. for sure, but yeah. yeah, he was definitely in the government. He's, we don't know, probably don't know. a Gentile because he's up in, he's Roman and he's probably up in the Galilean area, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We do not know, nor do we know his position in government. We do know that he was powerful and oversaw others yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. We do know he was at his wits end. That's, what does that mean? He was, he was at his end, at end, of, the end of the rope. He's yeah. like, I can't do this. I need help. Yeah. Can you he, imagine? He probably trying to throw money at the, the, the healers. He's probably anything he can do to save his son. I mean, what would you do to save your child? Yeah. Anything, I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. It, we have two options. Yeah. We can try to figure it out ourselves or we or, can surrender to God and trust in him. Amen. That's it. And, but I mean, doesn't mean that we don't go to the doctor's office like Bob. And we still go. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> go. I promise. I'm going. I'm going. As soon as we finish this show. All right. Let's go on. All right. In John 4:48, Jesus responds to the nobleman by saying, Unless you see signs and wonders, will you not believe? Yeah. Ooh. How many times, Pete, have you thought to yourself or asked God, will you just show me a sign? Oh, or yeah. Will you and, yeah, the Gideon and then, experience. And then you read yeah. stuff like this and you're like, oh, yeah. so gross. I'm yeah. so sorry, Lord. Please yeah. forgive me. Okay. That was not a, re a rebuke towards this nobleman. Rather, it was Jesus lamenting at the spiritual condition mm. of the people. He would always say, seeing is believing. Yeah. I mean, that's just good. I mean, it's like Jesus is basically... I mean, I just think, let's just go back to, again, he's not our genie, right? No. But I mean, here's this, I mean, think about it. We're talking about, you know, Palm Sunday, Jesus is weeping, you know, he's coming back from Jericho. He's overlooking the, the city and he starts to weep. Yeah. 
and and here's this and he's like i just like a you know mother hen and just want to gather them all together you know and jesus just has so much compassion for people and and he's so hurt that they're so blind to be able to see that he's the savior of the world they're so it's like uh, you know he he puts he separates the israelites apart to be their god and they reject him he blesses them and he wants to give them, prosper them and, and, and provide for them and do all of these things. And they continue to reject them and serve other gods. And here it is the same thing in his heart. He's just like, man, my heart hurts. Don't you know that if you studied me, have you not been around me? Have you not seen or heard me speak that I have nothing but love and compassion for you, that I care for you, that I'm willing to die for you, that I'm willing to do all these things so that you are blessed and that my father is glorified. And then he's just so hurt, mm. you know, he's just constantly hurt. And so here it is again, you know, I don't believe I, I don't believe what I'm witnessing and testifying in, in your goodness, Jesus. I still want to see a miracle, you know, and it's just like, it's, it breaks his heart. Oh. So, I mean, that's the same with us. How many times have we, Lord, I just can't believe. And he's just like, man, you don't trust me. How many times have I answered your prayers? How many times have I been faithful to you in your life? How many times have I showed up when you needed me and you're still doubting me? You're still fearing me. You're still worried with anxiety. And I'm, he's the same thing. He's probably just grieving sometimes in his heart. He says, I love you so much. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always provide for you. I will always take care of you. You do not have to fear. I am here. I love you, period. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking this weekend because this was Palm Sunday a couple of days ago. And, you know, you, you read the stories of Jesus riding in on a donkey. And then, then one of the gospels, it says that he that he wept over the city. Mm. And my thought was, is is he weeping because they don't get it? Mm. It's like they're cheering Hosanna, 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 you know, save us, you know, save us from these these Romans. Yeah. And he's like, man, I'm saving. I'm doing so much more than that. And they yeah. just don't get why no, he's they're there. blind to it. They're blind to it. Yeah. Yep. But the best part is the nobleman believed that Jesus could heal his son, but he made two mistakes in his thinking. One, that Jesus had to go to Capernaum to save his child. <laughs> and second, if the boy is already dead, it was too late for Jesus to do anything. Wrong and wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, think about it. All right. So it's like Jesus and at the minute, the spoken word, boom, yeah. it changes everything. He That's does true. not have to do anything more. If he's God and yeah. we believe he is, yeah. then uh, yeah, the, the distance is not a factor. And the fact that the boy may already be dead is, is not a factor. Nope. Both of those things don't play into God's hand. You know, he, but he did <laughs> he have created space. He created time. He doesn't need, but he, the key, the key point that John's bringing out here though, is that is wrong. But the key point is the nobleman had faith. Yeah. That is the most important thing here. And Jesus healed his son because of That's his faith. faith. This shows us how good Jesus is, but he also wants us to have proper faith. Amen. So I, and, and again, I, and I want to be careful here because this is not a name and claim it kind of gospel that we're talking about. We're not saying, hey, you weren't healed because you don't believe. No, the Bible says that we can have faith of a mustard seed. That's like a little faith. <laughs> you know, remember that, that, you know, Jesus came down from uh, the transfiguration down from the mountain and the, the guy at the bottom was, he needed his son to be healed. He was demon possessed. And he says, your disciples couldn't heal him. And he goes, he goes, well, you didn't have faith. He goes, well, Lord, please help my unbelief. I'm, you know, help my faith, you know, come to me, help me understand. And, uh, you know, that's the same thing. Jesus looks at our hearts and he sees, 
And, um, and so God is desiring to heal. And so that's it. We have to, we'll do more on that. I don't give it context here, but okay. yeah, that's good. All right. Um, one more statement. The nobleman wasn't, was in a crisis. We talked about that already. Yeah. He was about to lose his son and he had no other recourse, but Jesus. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think so many of us, that's where we find Jesus. Yep. Many people come to Jesus with their crisis. He did not turn them away. The nope. nobleman's faith went from crisis faith to confident faith and then moved to confirmed faith. And finally, this is awesome. Contagious faith. Yep. Let's break down those four progressions. Yeah. So the first one, crisis thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I wrote some examples. Obviously we can take the, the text here where this, this man's about to lose his son. His son is about ready to die. But I think in many of our lives, it could be illness. You know, somebody, you go to the doctor and you find out you have cancer, you know, or, or it could be an addiction or divorce or death. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, you just get to the end of your rope, like they were saying this nobleman was. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the the crisis faith. And where many, I think where many people just ignore uh, the things of God, this it's an opportunity to just kind of turn. They have nowhere else to turn. So like, okay, you know, uh, this is my, I think that's what crisis faith I, means. I always believe, I always say this. So in every circumstance in life, we have two options. One, we can freak out and try to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. So we can manipulate, force the system, whatever it is to fix it. Or we can immediately cast our cares and our burdens unto Jesus and surrender to him and know that he is going to work all things together for good for those who are called according to his mm. purpose. Too many times, Pete, I try to fix it first. That's it. That's our natural habit. So yep. crisis faith is real, people. Yep. And so we have we have options. And, and if we then choose to surrender, okay, we, we come to that crisis of belief, we come to that time, we then choose to surrender, it then leads us as what happened with this nobleman, it leads us to confident faith. What is that all about? Well, I think he believes, he believes what Jesus says, he believes the word, right? So Jesus said, your son will be healed, and he, he believed him. Yeah. And he hasn't seen evidence of it yet. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of the next step but you yeah. got to have the faith. So we have the crisis, but then what do we do? The only way to have confidence is number one, you know, the Israelites built pillars of when God did things. So there's certain pillars in our life that we can go back to. We can say, no, God answered my prayer here. God answered my prayer here. God was faithful here. So we can start going back to those pillars that helps give us confidence. But more than anything else, we meditate on the word of God. Like I just did. God's going to work all things together for good. We meditate on those truths. And when we meditate on those truths, our crisis becomes less. Our confidence in God becomes more. So we go from crisis to confidence. And then from confidence, we go to confirmed faith. Bob? Well, I was just thinking, tell me if I'm right on this one. Another example of the confident would be like that woman that was uh, had the bleeding disease yeah. and went and touched the garment. Yeah. That was her confidence. She knew if she could touch the garment uh, of Jesus, that she would be healed. Is that kind of, the, I think that, that she that... went from crisis. I think it was crisis. You think it was so, crisis? Yeah. Okay. Because she was in crisis and she, she surrendered it to God by touching. I gotcha. She believed in that, but her confidence happened immediately after she touched because <laughs> she was healed. It was a quick transition. Yes. All right. What was your question? Confirm oh, confirmed faith. faith. Yeah. Well, in this example, he he the next day he talks to his the, the nobleman um, runs into his servants or seeks out his servants and they tell him that the son is healed. And he asked them when. Yeah. Right. When yeah. was he healed? Yeah. To kind of confirm yeah. that it happened exactly yeah. when he was talking to Jesus yeah. and they confirmed that. So yeah. that so now you have evidence. You're like, oh, 
what Jesus said, I believe is going to happen. Now he's got evidence that what Jesus said was going to happen actually did happen. So that, that turns into the, the confirmed faith, which yeah, that builds, that starts your pillar. That's, that's awesome. And then it, that just transitions. Once you see that it builds your faith to a point where it goes into that fourth one that we were talking about, which is so exciting. The contagious, the contagious faith. faith. Yeah. And in our text here, what happens? His household gets saved, yeah, right? Yeah. So he starts telling people. Yeah. And how many new how many times have you seen new believers? They they go through this process kind of quickly. They see it, they they experience it, it's real to them. They can't help but share it. It's contagious. You know, contagious faith is authentic, it's uh and impactful. Mm. And 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 if we get to that point where we go through a crisis faith to a confident faith to a confirmed faith because God answered our prayers to a contagious faith that that faith is authentic and impactful and so when people hear you talk about the goodness of God when people hear you share the testimony of how God has been faithful in your life it is authentic because you've been through it you've surrendered it you've tested God you've walked with him you've been in his presence he has proven himself to you and, and in those moments, there is no mistaken. You cannot tell me, you cannot share with me or tell me that God is fake. You cannot tell me that what I believe is a farce. You can't tell me that because I have a track record with them. I have many crisis faith moments in my life. I have many confirmed and confident moments of faith in my life. And I have many moments and testimony of sharing my faith with other people that are going through the same thing that I've been going through. And that just, it is impactful. It's authentic and people receive it. And then all at the same time, they want to know more about it. And they want to know more about Jesus. And so if you're, you're listening to this and, and you're going through something, well, just know that we pray for you. Um, there's a constant prayer going on here. We pray for our audience. We pray for our listeners. And if you ever uh, need prayer, please reach out to us on our social media accounts. And, or you can even go on to riotpodcast.co and, and fill out a form there. And we will be praying for you and uh, possibly even get in contact with you. You know, John Wesley said, catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come from miles to watch you burn. That's right. We put that, we said that a while back yeah. and, and, I, and it was too good not to say it again today. If, if God has done something in your life and he's transformed you, man, let, let that fire burn in you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to, to sharing with your friends to come and see Jesus. He is, he is so worthy of our praise. He is so good and so faithful. And I promise you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be right there with you in the midst of your crisis. He will walk through it and he will heal you and touch you. And if there's someone that's listening today and they haven't given their life to the Lord, you can do it now. There, there's no reason why not to say, I want to walk with Jesus. There's no reason why you, don't, you can't just ask God to forgive you of your sins today and, and, just, and, and live the rest of your life knowing that you've been with God and that you can believe his word. And so if that's you, just pray this simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, I repent of my sins today. I, I want to turn away from, from doing things the way that I was doing it. And I want to do things now the way that you want me to do it. I choose to live for you. I choose to believe that you died and rose again on the cross and, and on the third day. I believe in this, Lord. 
And Lord, I need, and just tell him straight up, I need you, God. I need you in my life. I need your love and your compassion. I need you, Lord, to, to uh, speak to me and share with me your truth so that I can walk faithfully with you for the rest of my life. And, and I know that's a kind of an unorthodox day, but if you pray that in your heart and you believe that, the Bible says that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. That is an exciting thought. I mean, just think about it. You give your life to the Lord and all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. And the Bible also says after that, you need to go tell somebody, tell us, go tell your mom, tell your dad, go tell your brother, sister, aunts, uncles, friends, whoever, go. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I too will confess you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I too will deny you before my father in heaven. Don't be that denier. If God saved you today, if God shared this truth with you and you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, go tell somebody. So God bless you guys, Bob. Great show, Pete. This is awesome. I love jumping back into the book of John. And uh, guys, remember, it's Easter week if you're listening to the show as it comes out. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, always make sure you subscribe and press that bell button so you will be notified every time a new episode comes out. And man, we would love to hear from you. Um, go to our Facebook page, give us a comment, give us some ideas, the topics you want us to cover as we continue through this book of John. Um, you know, that we got through we're four chapters through 21, yeah, right? Five finally, we're on next well, <laughs> five will be next, but do do this. I mean, Peter's already mentioned it a couple of times. Invite somebody to church this weekend. Invite someone to come just sit with you. Come and see. You know, be Philip. Say, come and see. And uh, take them out to lunch. Bribe them if you have to. But get them to a <laughs> church where they will hear the gospel this weekend. Lord. Uh, Barry, Barry preached on, um, on Lazarus and the rich man on, oh. on, on oh. Sunday. Oh. And it just kind of, it, it just breaks my heart to think, man, the worst thing we could do is not tell somebody about this good news that we have. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want somebody coming back, you know, and, and thinking while they're sitting in hell, why didn't he tell me? Why didn't he tell me? We have the good news. Why didn't he share it with me? So um, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid of the gospel. Share the good news. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we talked about a hard subject today. We're not afraid. We went at it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Can't wait till next week. Hopefully I'll have my voice back and uh, my neck fixed. So all is good. <laughs> have an amazing Easter, an amazing week of worship. Love you guys. Be blessed. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.